Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's our Memorial Day weekend show. Dustin, how is the holiday weekend treating you? So far, so good. You know, I think it is a it is a good time to think about those who have sacrificed for our country and and recognize them and you know kind of paid the ultimate sacrifice. So, um, so yeah, but it's it, it's been good to get together with family and stuff like that as part of that, and then to cap it off with you, my friend. Oh, that's nice of you to say, and it's also nice of you to remember what this weekend is really supposed to be about, Dustin. All right, today we are going big picture, big picture college football. There's so much going on. I've wanted to have this discussion with you, Dusty, and I just want to point out we've had appearances over the last couple months from Salty Jim. You may think that's what you might see today, but no, my friend, it will not be Salty Jim. It's going to be Cynical Jim, okay? Just preparing you for that. So you'll, you'll find out why shortly. But as I said, we're looking at the big picture. The world of college football has just been turned upside down. It's one thing to have the transfer portal going. It's one thing to have name, image, and likeness going on. You put those two things together, though, Dusty, it's getting wild. It is a tough combination right now, and um, I think the NCAA, you know, and others have had opportunities to maybe control this messaging a little bit and control how and when this happened, but they ended up fighting it until the until the bitter end, and they ended up kind of harshly, you know, quickly rolling this out last year without being able to put a lot of infra- infrastructure there and uh, without a lot of rules and things like that. So now basically the process is ongoing to add some guide rails to this thing. Cause right now it's like we're on the bus from speed, like 55 miles per hour plus, or the whole thing blows up. Everything's moving quickly. And uh, that's just kind of where we are. And what we're doing on this show is just looking at where we are um, when it comes to college athletics, specifically college football, where it's going and what needs to happen. I think these are th- these are all things that you and I have talked about in bits and pieces um, over the past you know few months for sure that now we're just going to bring it all together in this one place and just kind of figure it out. This is a historical time for for college football. This is I, I don't know that so much change has happened so quickly in such a short amount of time that um, we're going to look back on this time and, and really remember it as, as a game changer for better or worse. Well, let's, let's start out with what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. And picture, you know, Sean Clifford, your Penn State quarterback, whatever you think of him, your pro Sean Clifford, you're against Sean Clifford, he's in a high-profile position, and if downtown State College, somebody is selling Penn State jerseys with Sean Clifford's name on it, should should not Sean Clifford get a piece of that? That's what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be, correct? 
Correct. But as you, you know, with anything in the history of college football, if you present any form of loophole whatsoever, if it's not the head coach, it'll be a big time booster. There's always somebody ready to blow open a loophole. And that's pretty much what's going on. Like this name image likeness pretty much is a giant loophole to do all the things that people are being accused of in the past that we know has been going on bags of cash and all that. And just to bring it out in the open and there's nothing really stopping them or slowing them down. Like to your point, it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be able to get your market value in exchange for something, you know, represent a car dealership or sign autographs or, you know, your your names on the jersey, all those things. Now it really is just a payment to acquire talent. And as much as Jimbo Fisher wants to say they did everything right at Texas A&M, this recruiting class is a really good point in, in that too, that, you know, when you're throwing some cash around, you can do some crazy wild stuff. And that's pretty much where we are right now. You know, there's no, there's been no real exchange of goods. Do you remember when this first started, Jim? And I was kind of chuckling about it. it. It looked like it was just like, Hey, Sean Clifford can be on cameo now. You know, he can make videos to, for little John John's birthday party or something. And now it's like whatever he wants. I mean, if, if an alum, if an alumni or a booster wants Sean Clifford to get paid or doesn't want Sean Clifford to go to the NFL, you know, there's so much stuff that they can do these collectives to just throw money around. It is against the spirit of the whole thing, but should we really be surprised that this is the direction that things went? You know, this is, this is so highly ridiculously competitive that if it becomes legal to make payments, then it's a race to, to make the most payments. It's a race to get most creative and, and to go out there and acquire talent in exchange for cash. And that's where we are. And they're in the process. And I don't know how quickly it's going to go where they're trying to backpedal and, and try to put some of these things in place now. And that's exactly what it is. It's about the acquisition of talent. So instead of Sean Clifford making money off his name, image, and likeness, it's the idea that when Sean Clifford is in high school in Ohio, some Penn State cooperative says, hey, Sean, we'll give you X number of dollars to come to Penn State. Now, it's weasel-worded to be said, gee, if you hypothetically show up at Penn State, there's going to be this opportunity for you, but there's no doubt that's what's happening. Texas A&M had his, the historically best recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes this past year, and the allegedly uh, that freshman class, that incoming class, is getting millions and millions of dollars to show up at Texas A&M, Correct. That's the allegation. That's and and I, I think you probably wouldn't have to dig that deep to try to back that up. And Jimbo Fisher can can be as cagey as he wants to be. And first of all, I know we might talk about this later, but Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban in a public war of words is exactly what I never knew I always wanted. You know, I I love the fact that that Jimbo takes such exception. And why and why wouldn't he? I mean, Nick Saban might be throwing out facts, but that that was a flamethrower to his former his former assistant who did not take kindly to it. And one of the most anticipated moments for me of, of the past year was seeing that Texas A&M had called a 10 a.m. news conference the next day for Jimbo to get out there in front of the mics. And it was just like, and as much as I anticipated it, it was still better than, than I hoped it would be. 
But uh, yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is madness right now. And, uh, you know, it didn't have to be this way. I think that needs to be repeated. It didn't have to be this way with different tactics and things like that. And I saw Lane Kiffin uh, last week basically said, you know, if you have a booster who says pay, pays $5 million to acquire um, a recruit to, to get across the finish line to the recruit, you can't tell me that that booster then is going to have some kind of say or be in the coach's ear about playing that recruit that he and he put all that money into. And it just, I, I just think in all kinds of ways, this, the way things are going right now. And I, I do think that things can change for the better as they, as they acclimate. Um, this is not where anybody wants to be. Warning. Here comes cynical Jim. Okay. First off, let, let's start with Nick Saban and Jimbo, where Nick Saban, right now, the way the world or the way the world has existed over the last decade, Nick Saban wins. He gets the number one recruiting class in the country pretty much every year. Um, he gets the best talent. He wins national championships. He makes more money as head coach than anybody else. Gee. When the world's going to change, Nick Saban decides he doesn't like it. All of a sudden, instead of Alabama getting the number one recruiting class in the country, Texas A&M did. Well, that's just not right. Alabama is supposed to get the best recruiting class. So anything that changes that, Coach Saban has a problem with. Yeah, it's so really a hard... What is wrong with Texas A&M getting a better recruiting class than Alabama? You know what? They didn't break any rules. The rules might suck, but to to have Nick Saban be the voice of reason and be the guy, as Jimbo Fisher said, the who appointed him the czar of college football, you know, you can't really trust where he's coming from. And I would say if he's looking for parity, the days of parity in college football, literally the number one thing that he can do for that is to retire from Alabama. You want parity in college football? Hang him up. Obviously, he's not going to hang it up. But he wants the rules to stay to Alabama's advantage. He has no problem with the players getting the money. What he has a problem with is Texas A&M acquiring more talent than him. That's where the issue is. And, you know, I'm going to go on to our good buddy at Pitt, Pat Narduzzi. He's all worked up. Here's the next situation. He has a very good, or had a very good wide receiver, Jordan Addison, who ended up transferring to USC. Pat Narduzzi is claiming tampering, that they were going after him before he, he entered the transfer portal, and he was offered money to go elsewhere. Once more, though, I asked Dustin, whether you like that or not, you think Pat Narduzzi would be upset if the if it was an incoming player as opposed to an outgoing player. Oh, yeah. I mean, the cre- credibility in this area, uh, there, there just really isn't all that much. He can get as bent out of shape as he wants, and that's pretty much his default position is bent out of shape. Um, you know, God, God love him. But And, and this, is, this is an interesting case because the way things are right now, Jordan Addison is at Pitt. He had made his commitment to Pitt. He had proven his value. And now, I mean, whether USC was tampering, something tells me there's not going to be any proof of that unless, you know, unless uh, Lincoln Riley's stupid. Uh, But now it's like, okay, I I can pursue my open market value just by opening myself up and transferring from Pitt. And 
you know, like, again, the way that the game is being played right now, it's probably a smart move from Jordan Addison. Like, he, Kenny Pickett's gone. He can go fetch however many millions he can get and probably get an upgrade in playing situation, too. Why wouldn't you consider uh, that kind of win-win? And it's just, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not where a lot of people want the game to be, and hopefully that changes. But I can't blame Jordan Addison for, uh, for opting to leave and make some money for himself and maybe get a chance to improve his situation. Uh, to better position himself for the NFL, too. Dustin, we're going to continue this conversation uh, in quarter number two, and I'm going to start by asking you this question. Everyone seems to be all up in arms. Oh, my goodness, college football is going to hell with all this going on. I'm going to ask you, is it really going to hell? Is there really a problem with any of these issues going on? Stay tuned for Dustin's answer to that question. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call one 800 788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Dustin in the wind, Hawkinsmith. Dustin, when we finished up segment one, we were talking about the issues when you have a name, image, and likeness intertwined with the transfer portal. You put it best. It is becoming about talent acquisition, where instead of name, image, and likeness being a reward to that player uh, once he arrives on campus, 
it's becoming a way, an incentive to get the player on campus to his site. So we, we cited some examples where Texas A&M ends up with the best recruiting class for the first time in years. It wasn't Alabama or Ohio State, you know, the usual suspects. And we had a situation where a very good wide receiver for Pitt ends up transferring, going to USC. And you could give many examples. The uh, Deion Sanders team, he recruits, gets a star player away from a top, away from Florida State. You have a, a, a kid going to Tennessee, a recruit out of high school who allegedly is being paid millions of dollars. And all of these examples are getting thrown out there as to what is wrong with name, image, and likeness. My question to you is, what is wrong with that? Is there a problem with, you know, Lincoln Riley going to USC for a boatload of money and leaving Oklahoma in the lurch? Nobody seemed to have a problem with that. So why is there a problem when Jordan Addison leaves Pitt and does the same thing, goes to USC for the money? I mean, I think all these things are tied together into what college football is trying to deal with right now. And what, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, there's basically a revolution going on in college football, more so than any other sport because of how high profile, how much money there is um, out there. You know, players are trying to get more freedom. They've been trying to get more freedom for, what, eight or ten years in a, in a pretty public way. And freedom of movement, freedom to change their mind if they're stuck in a bad situation at a school without being penalized. And then obviously along the way, with you know, the Ed, had the Ed O'Bannon suit for uh, that took a long time to play out over name, image, likeness. They've been trying to get some piece of this pie for a long time now. And it, revolutions, Jim, are seldom clean and tidy. You know, and this is a messy situation because. All this stuff seems to be happening at once. And again, I will say this probably a bunch more times on the show. It didn't have to be this way. If, if these if these powers that be would have stopped trying to protect um, the the interests of of their leagues and their television contracts, their laws, you know, the the idea of amateurism, they could have worked together and found something that that got started where there wasn't so many loopholes available to exploit. So I do think this is a temporary situation, uh, the messiness of it. Uh, you're gonna, the, the lasting things are going to be player movement is going to be more prominent than ever. There will be money changing hands, but I think there will be some uh, rules in place that, that minimize how much that the, it's, it's about acquisition and more about rewarding somebody for a, a good or service that they provide. Um, in, in general, I don't think name image likeness is bad. I don't think the transfer portal is bad. I just think they were both unleashed without a whole lot of thought or safeguards in place. And when you do that in this environment, Jim, with so much money and so many donors and so many interests and television money and college football play, you know, there's so much, 
um, competitiveness amongst coaches who are fighting for their life every single day. They're fighting for their job every single day. And it's gotten more and more this way with the way the recruiting calendar is. I know we'll touch on that a little bit. And the way that they have to recruit their own players, the way they have to monitor the transfer portal, the way that they've got to go all out uh, with with recruits in the high school uh, age group now, the way they've got to worry about these collectives and things like that, about how they can structure themselves to be able to be competitive on the financial side of it. I mean, college coaches are literally fighting for their jobs every single day. So you don't think that there's an advantage to be had and they're not going to try to exploit it down to the very last, you know, uh, dime. They absolutely are. So, Dustin, so far when we talk about uh, people who have had issues with it, like Nick Saban has had an issue with it, Pat Narduzzi has an issue with it, you saw, and in your notes, you sent me a quote from Gene Smith, who's the athletic director at Ohio State. Um, what's going on? It, it's the inducement pieces. We got to kill that. If we don't kill that now, forget it. Well, my question is, what exactly is going to go wrong? The fact is, Texas A&M ended up with the number one recruiting class last year. Somebody has to be number one. Isn't it actually a step towards parity that it wasn't Alabama this year? Now, the, the question is, do you want it to be a situation where you can just flat out write a check for parity? You know, that, I, I think that's the issue. And, and you, you make a good point about whether it's Nick Saban or Pat Narduzzi or Gene Smith or anybody else, you know, where you're trying to separate from this ongoing movement is self-interest versus the, the greater interests of college football. And there's a lot of self-interest protection going on right now. And I do think, you know, Gene Smith, you can you can discount him because of the role that he plays at Ohio State. One of the powers that stands to lose some of its its firm grip on, on things if, if things get out of control. Um, I, you can discount that if you want, but I do think he makes a good point that, you know, when he says what's going on on college campuses with existing scholarship athletes, is uh, is not the problem right now. It's the acquisition. You know, there is truth to that too. And, you know, do you want to, it might lead to parity, but do you want um, whatever, you know, do you want Purdue to be able to write a $50 million check and, and be able to kind of close that gap? I mean, may, maybe the answer is yes, but I don't think it's the healthy way to go forward. I don't think it's going to be a, a real good precedent setter uh, moving forward either. Well, the way the people who are complaining about this, what their great fear is, could there be a handful of teams with the most money, like a Texas A&M and, you know, name a couple other schools with the big donors, who will acquire the best talent, and then we will have a handful of teams dominating college football. Wait a minute. Isn't that what we've had for decades now? Who beyond Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson was, you know, they were the three elite teams for the last 10 years. Is it a bad thing if for the next 10 years, instead of those three, it's Texas A&M, and you used the example of Purdue, maybe it's Tennessee. Again, whether give me the reason why this acquiring talent through money is going to be the ruination of the game, Dustin. I don't know that I believe it's going to be the ruination of the game. 
You know, the game was already going to this place where you had a select few teams who are really the only ones competing for much of anything. And if that dynamic changes, you know, who am I to judge how it gets there? Um, I think what I'll be fascinated to see. So these are these are open markets. They're free markets. Um, if you're, let's say, Texas A&M and, and their boosters did throw a lot of money around, what is the correcting mechanism of this market? You know, is it, you know, crushing expectations that gets a coach fired faster? Maybe that's a side effect. Is it boosters who now blur the line between their role and their the coaching role? They're, they consider themselves the overlords. Is it boosters who say, like, I spent $10 million and we didn't get anything. That kid sucked. You know, you're, you're paying for talent that it isn't what they're going to be yet. You're not going to hit the mark all the time. How much money are you willing to, to set on fire? And then if you set a, if you set $5 million on fire on a quarterback and that quarterback doesn't pan out and you look foolish, you're going to be mad at the coach. I mean, there are going to be, you know, the, there are going to be things that, that correct itself over time. Um, you know, that we're talking about, you know, minimum three, four or five years, I think, before you start to really see the effects of all this. But, um, but you know, like if, if this is the way things keep on going, I do think, um, the sport will adjust. I don't think it's, it's the doom of college football. You know, you, you the, the sport has been overrun by greed, uh, for a long time now, Greed's just shifting from universities and programs and and bowl reps and people like that to the players. And, you know, I I don't know that that's necessarily automatically a bad thing. Well, then, Dustin, to finish up this segment, I'm making you czar of college football. If there is something wrong, what is it that's wrong and how would you fix it? Well, I think just for starters, um, kids coming out of high school, um, I don't know if you if there's a cap on value necessarily. I think anybody who believes in free markets thinks that that will dictate what kids are worth. It's a little nuts right now, but it probably settles down. But I, I do think that you need to enforce the what you're getting in return for that. And you need to have some kind of neutral committee assess the value of, of contracts. You know, okay, if you want to be a business or, or a booster or whatever that that lowers a recruit in, they it needs to be representative of what you're getting then from that recruit. You know what I mean? Like if if you're committing to to sign ten thousand autographs over your four year career and you get a million dollars for it, now that's a starting point. There's some kind of reasonable expectation with an independent committee that can kind of judge what you're giving and what you're getting, and at least make sure that's within the ballpark of something fair. Dustin, would it be fair to be able to put into this contract a look five-star quarterback that I'm giving a lot of money for you to come to Tennessee, something that requires you to stay at Tennessee for more than one year? I think there might be room to get creative with these contracts. And just like you see in professional sports, maybe there are, are um, sliders that if you start 10 games, you get this much. If you start 20 games, you get this much. If you get start 30 games, if you finish your career here, if you spend at least three years here, you know, there's probably a lot of different things you can do. I don't know how, if there's any kind of slippery slope to that, but at least it's something, at least there's something concrete and not just like I'll, I'll throw as much money as it takes to get this kid on campus. At least there's something there that that is somewhat binding that is an exchange of services in exchange for that money. That would be not the problem is you're going to run into is if there's incentives in how you play 
that becomes something very, very different than name, image, and likeness. And um, I do think that might be the slippery slope. I think if they want to, if they could somehow enforce not incentivizing a high school kid to come to this school for the money. Once they get there, if they do something, that's fine. But you can't get to them before then. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. We're going to continue the conversation in quarter number three. Stay tuned. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, one little tidbit we didn't hit on uh, is that there was some announcement of game times and our game, where we're going to go see Penn State Auburn, game time was announced. It's going to be 3.30 on CBS. I think we were all guessing that would be the case. I'm alluding to the game where Dustin and I are going to be going in partnership with Collegiate Athletic Travel and Keystone Sports Network. We're offering you the opportunity to travel to Auburn for that game, a charter flight. You stay at the team hotel, transport to and from the game. Dustin and I are both really looking forward to it, and we would love to have you join us. It's going to be a great time now that we know the game time, 3.30. That's kind of perfect. Flying down on Friday, have time Saturday to get to the venue, have the tailgate party. 
enjoy the game, and then fly back on Sunday. So if you want more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the details. It'll be a great time. Dustin, we were kind of wrapping up our conversation about name image likeness and the transfer portal and everything going on with it. And it's reached the point where these co-ops, whatever that the different universities are organizing, are throwing money at these players for the acquisition of talent. It's my feeling that dust will settle in a while after, you know, Tennessee spent apparently spent millions of dollars to draw this quarterback in. We've all seen it. Four or five-star quarterbacks don't always pan out. What happens then? Are they going to go right back and spend millions again? I'm not sure that's going to happen or if the dust will settle. But the one point you were making about the NCAA, how would they enforce anything and they're, they just got their butt kicked by the Supreme Court. They're going to be fearful to implement anything. Might we end up with the federal government maybe stepping in and enacting something on a, a, a federal level? I don't think anything is is out of the realm of possibility here. And, you know, it's such a unique situation because it's easy to forget, but these are uh, institutions of higher learning a lot of times state-funded institutions of higher learning, you, you, you do have a lot of openings here to, you know, sanctify the process. And we all know the government does an outstanding job with it. Whatever they get their hands on, they tend to make the, all the right decisions. We do know that. So the, we, that, that's relieving. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think um, the NCAA has proven, you know, not very uh, – apt at these things. And you do have, uh, we didn't really make a note of this, but Mark Emmerich, Emmerich, the leadership um, position is going to change at the NCAA. Maybe somebody who's a little bit better positioned to be flexible and acclimate to this environment. Um, I would hope that will probably be high on the list. So maybe, but you know, the NCAA is going to have to be very cautious, as you mentioned, about overreaching, about uh, regulating, you know, a, a market, Uh, it's going to get complicated. And I do tend to think that they're not going to be able to make swift, big decisions on behalf of this wide open market. Now they're going to have to install little by little, I think um, things that hopefully can make the situation a little cleaner, uh, a little easier to, to maybe, you know, not incentivize um, all these blank checks being thrown around. Um, But I do think the way things are now, if they stay, if they stay this way, if you're Tennessee, and I'm not, I'm not picking on Tennessee, I'm just using them as, a, as an example, you spend $5 million or somebody close to your program spends $5 million to bring a quarterback in, the quarterback doesn't pan out, you better believe there's another $5 million check chasing the previous $5 million check because in the grand scheme of things, getting the right quarterback uh, is worth so much more than, than $5 million um, with, with how much it can transform uh, a program. So I, I don't know that the money is well is ever going to really go dry. You have some pretty, uh, some people who are close to these programs with bottomless pockets who, if they, if that's what they want to do with their money is try to make that program better and try to get big time players. I mean, there's not really a lot out there to stop them. Um, they're, they're going to lose some money on investments. They're going to, they're going to make some good things happen with investments. Um, so I think you, you, the risk is kind of built in, um, along with the rewards there. Well, my only uh, thought is how does the NCAA 
control a group that has no official connection to the university. So when that happens, how could they police it where if the federal government, and yes, I know, they have a 100,000 different things that are more important than college football. But if they stepped in and said, hey, that's a no-no, and, you know, there's potential prison time for doing it, maybe that's an incentive to, to not be throwing so much money at the high school kids. All right, Dustin, let's shift gears a little bit because there is more going on in college football than just name, image, and likeness and transfer portal. And one little item, it appears to be a small change in the rules, but it really has big ramifications. The NCAA had a rule that if you had 12 teams and wanted a championship game, you had to split into two divisions and have the two division winners play for the conference champion. They've rescinded that rule, meaning the uh, conference could set up any way they want and decide who would play in that championship game. Sounds like a small item, but in fact, it seems to make sense. Hey, have two divisions and have the two division winners play. That's logical, right? What What is the effect, though, of this rule change? I mean, I, I, I struggle to find anything really negative with it necessarily. I mean, what, what you see, especially at the Big Ten level, is that there's a fundamental flaw in how the divisions are, are drawn up. And unless you're willing to take that on um, and, and fix that on an ongoing basis, because, you know, I think you could have power kind of shift around, there could be potential for that dynamic to change, um, then you get rid of that. You get rid of one opportunity for the administrative people in a conference to draw up crappy divisions. And I think the Big Ten divisions were pretty crappy divisions where you're not getting the second best team uh, in position to play for a championship a lot of times. You're getting the fourth best team. And so why not eliminate that? I do think it is, um, you know, another measure, you know, in the big picture uh, you're seeing teams uh, position themselves to to better be represented in a college football playoff scenario that that expands. So it'll be interesting to monitor how things shift around in preparation for that, uh, to, to make sure that they're doing everything in their power to put their best teams in position to compete for a playoff spot. The Pac-12 has already said they're going to do that right away. Other conferences like the Big Ten – They've kind of shelved their uh, schedules from for 23 and beyond. I believe one of the models for how to do this, the ACC has the same as the Big Ten, uh, 14 teams. They say they're going to a, what they call a 3-5-5 model. You have three rivals that you play every year, and then the 10 other teams are split 5-5, five and five. You'll play the one five one year, the other five the following year. What do you think the Big Ten's going to do? Because that would entail going from nine conference games to eight, and for some reason the Big Ten doesn't seem to like that idea. Well, if, if the side effect here is that you end up standardizing how many conference games everybody plays, that's probably a good thing. And, and I don't really know the, the basis for which they are so insistent on maintaining nine conference games versus eight that everybody else does. Um, if that's if that's a side effect, I'm okay with that. 
You know, the, the Big Ten's kind of forced into um, playing ball the same way. At least everybody's on similar ground when it comes to drawing up their schedules. Uh, I thought I saw I saw something towards the tail end of last week that the Big Ten could opt to protect two rivalry games. I mean, if that's if that ends up being the case, um, we talked last week a little bit about who Penn State's protected rivals would be, uh, how you go about making sure that you get some of those other primo games. Um, so we'll see what happens, but. Uh, you, you know, I, I think you have to have some kind of philosophy behind what you're trying to get done. And, uh, for the big 10, you know, I, I like the three, five, five thing. At least it's, 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 uh, you know, a formula. It's something that, that is concrete that, you know, what, what's coming and, and, and who you're playing. So I, I think it, this is maybe the biggest variable of all this is how you go about scheduling now that you have, you have to consider not just your, your division games, but everybody in the league is fair game. Um, so I think, you know, it feels like everybody's going to arrive at something kind of comparable. Don't you think? I think so. And I do like that three, five, five, and I do like eight conference games and more freedom to schedule. We talked about this before, you know, that alliance with the PAC 12 and the ACC, Hey, give me that extra game and make, give me some interesting games with those other conferences. But I think the other question that comes up, Dustin, when doing this and reserving whether it's two or three rivals, some people, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, if you're Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, your rivals are those other three teams. And you'll end up right where you were with those teams playing each other, knocking each other off. You've got to balance that uh, those games of interest with also being fair with your scheduling. You can't have one team play all the top teams and somebody else get away with playing Illinois and Indiana every year. Yeah, you need to find balance with this. And that's why, you know, I, I saw um, uh, Scott Docterman from the, um, the Athletic put out, you know, a little chart that said, you know, rival games that must be protected, that that deserve consideration and then like a third category. And he had Ohio state Penn state as a must protect game. And, you know, I, I think that that's that I, I, I see that case being made, but if, if Ohio state surely is going to start with a protected game against Michigan, is it really fair to them to have, you know, the second and third best teams, you know, look, looking over the course of the past decade or so, the second or third best teams in the Big Ten on their schedule every single year. I don't think the Penn State game has to be protected if they're truly seeking balance for how they go about this. I don't know if Penn State, Ohio State can be a given, you know, with, with Ohio State, you know, being fixed with Michigan. And this is, you know, it's going to kind of renew those, those talks about Penn State not really having a true rival. Well, my real quick take on it is the Big Ten, you know, you know they will keep Michigan-Ohio State because you have to, Dustin. I say match up Penn State with Michigan State then and let Penn State alternate every other year with Michigan and Ohio State. That creates balance for Penn State and for those teams also. Uh, But if you give the Big Ten an opportunity to screw it up, they will take advantage of that opportunity. That is it for quarter number three. We got more to go. Stick around for quarter number four. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. 
This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, this has been our show about college football in general. We've hit name, image, and likeness. Touched on the transfer portal a little bit, just kind of how it's been mucked up a bit with name, image, and likeness. And we've talked Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and some of the other things that uh, the NCAA is doing. They're changing uh, the fact that you don't need to have two divisions to have a championship game. One other move that they made, though, was to eliminate the yearly limit of 25 scholarship players. To understand how this works, there's two numbers that have always been important. 85, which is the total number of scholarships, and 25 scholarship players per year. And by the way, bringing guys in from the transfer portal count as the tw- in that 25. Well, they've eliminated that 25 essentially because a team could end up really shorthanded if they get hit hard by the transfer portal, which could really happen when a coach leaves and whether players leave just because they don't like the change in coach. We saw a bit of that with Penn State basketball last year. You also have the situation where maybe players follow the coach who's transferring. Without having to sit out a year without that penalty, that freedom of movement could create a problem for player or for teams. I think it, it was a decision they had to make, right? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and they did it a little quicker than I thought. I mean, it's not like it's a perfect thing, but you do need to have uh, some kind of mechanism in place for coaches to be able to replenish their rosters in situations where they get gutted. Most oftentimes when, uh, when a coach leaves and there's a coaching change and uh, you lose, you know, you, you, you want to not only um, get as many high school kids as you, as you can, but also maybe try to get some transfers in to try to help you be more competitive right away. There needed to be with all this player movement and the ability for, for a coach to lose, you know, no matter how well things are going for him, to be able to lose a bunch of guys at once, uh, they did need something um, to, to be able to combat that. And I think this is this is a really good start in that direction. I, I like that move. I do think, you know, uh, they're probably going to be a year or two behind on these things. Um, they're addressing the transfer portal now when name image likeness is kind of running running wild. So maybe we'll see some more moves between now and the start of the season. Maybe after next season, we'll see some more, uh, you know, uh, more ways to safeguard against, you know, NIL abuse. But, you know, this was that was a pretty solid move to get that 25 scholarship players removed. And you saw, you know, Penn State on multiple times. Um, you know, I wasn't super familiar with how you manage that 25 until we saw Penn State go through the sanction process and have to, uh, you know, in, in some cases, backdate players who enroll in January. It can be backdated to the previous year. You can kind of, like the salary cap, you can kind of fudge it around a little bit. Uh, now, I don't think you have to sweat that quite as much. No, you won't have to. And again, I could just see, we saw what happened to Penn State during that sanction period where they lost several scholarships. And for a team it could be put in a position where you don't have enough scholarship players just because you have so many transfer out. And if you're limited to a total of 25, come, you could have 35 players leave, be, you know, some kind of attrition, graduating, going to the NFL early and transferring, and you just have no way to make up that number. This gives you that opportunity. I suspect in some ways... You know, might that turn into more processing of players? It's like, hey, you know, if I could get rid of five more players off my roster this year, you know, I could bring in 30 scholarship players instead of 25, which is, you know, so I'm sure we'll see some more of that, you know, the unintended consequences, but they still had to do this move. Let's, um, talking about roster management and transfer portal and how it can affect teams. Wanted to ask you though about Penn State and James Franklin's philosophy with the transfer portal. It seems like he's much more selective than a lot of other teams. He we've only seen, you know, a handful of players transfer in. What do you think of uh, James Franklin's strategy where he seems to be much more particular about who he brings in? I think that's a strategy that's built for the long haul. I think you've seen some programs find a little success in rapidly improving their position, like Rutgers, for example. Michigan State was another good one. You know, Mel Tucker, in order to get as competitive as possible, as quickly as possible, he had to bring some guys in who had some experience. And I don't think you really have a chance to um, be super, super picky in terms of being able to vet these guys and check their backgrounds and check in with their professors or co old coaches and stuff like that. 
Um, James Franklin has remained insistent on making sure that either number one, they've got, you know, undisputable tape that's out there that they can be impact players or number two, that they, they might go back with the guy through the recruiting process where they got to know their family, got to know the kid, got to know their coach, that the background work was done previously so they have some some good intel to work off of just in terms of the chances that that they're taking so i think that's the smart diligent decision to make um and they've you know even though penn state has had some some sort of sweeping changes and a bunch of guys leave um one cycle or another they've been able to stick to that philosophy and stay patient and continue building through the more traditional pipelines and i think that ultimately you know you're going to want your your um you know your your efforts to be centered around building a roster that um that is homegrown and not rented. Uh, there's going to always be that role. You're going to always have guys who unexpectedly leave. You're going to always have positions where, you know, for a variety of reasons, get very, very thin from one year to the next, thinner than you anticipated. And these are ways to rectify that. And you've seen Penn State do that um, so far. I mean, it's it's too early to tell, but, you know, based off of how last year went, for example, you know, how can you argue with that strategy? I, I think they got a lot of good things and they didn't have a a lot of players who, who really didn't didn't work out. Yeah, they did do well. You see an Arnold Ibikidi come in, and you see what he does for the team. But they did it just in positions of need. Now, my concern, Dustin, and you know, please tell me if I should be worried about this or not. There seems to be using Pitt as an example. Their wide receiver, real good player. There's more money elsewhere. Boom, you know, he's gone. Is this something Penn State has to look out for, though, if you're not bringing in a lot of guys in free agency, essentially? Do you need to be concerned about guys you're going to lose in free agency? Boy, I mean, I, th- I think it's always a threat. I mean, I think what James Franklin would say, I think what the company line would be, is that we've recruited from the beginning – integrity-driven guys, uh, guys who value education, guys who value, um, you know, doing work in the community and stuff like that. I do think, you know, there's there's some elements of truth to that. But, you know, at, at any given time, if you're a program that's not giving your best player or not putting them in a, in a position to make a million dollars, if that player wants to go chase a check, that player can go chase a check. And I do think that at some point in time, unless there are ch- big changes made in, in college athletics, you know, I, I think most programs at some point or another will get hit with that, which could then prompt Penn State to go and be a little bit more risky trying to find an impact player uh, on the open market. You know, but so far they've managed to, I think the attrition that they've experienced is a little bit heavier than usual, but I don't think you know, completely out of the ordinary either. So that, that time could come for anybody. And the question is, will Penn State be able to stick with that same philosophy if they would have say lost Parker Washington, or they would have lost, uh, you know, Joey Porter Jr. This off season, then what do you do? You have to, you have to kind of try to pursue some star power to replace it. Yeah, you do. And that's the danger that you have in this and where, you know, as a philosophy, that's the question. Will you have to change your philosophy if you're going to lose so many more players through the transfer portal? Are you going to have to 
pick up the pace in bringing players in. So far, you know, Penn State's been pretty fortunate. You could point at the quarterbacks, and if you're not a Sean Clifford fan, you're going to point at Will Levis, a potential top 10 draft pick next year, depending on, you know, who you talk to. So you have that fear, and, you know, earlier cynical Jim in talking about NIL and transfer saying, hey, what's wrong with it? Essentially, I'm saying, I don't see what's wrong with it. I don't until my team's affected. <laughs> then right. I see an issue. So now we're going to replace cynical Jim with hypocritical Jim. He <laughs> says, I have no problem with this at all, Dustin, until it affects my team. Well, then you sound just like Nick Saban and Gene Smith then. You know, the the very people that we were ta- we started this show talking about, you know, and that's kind of, you know, the, the issue here is that everybody's out for their own self-interest now. And that includes the players now. So, you know, everybody's in pursuit of what benefits them the most and whatever they can do and say in the public realm to influence that. They seem to be okay doing that. Um, I think you're going to see some subtle changes along the way. And hopefully, you know, if a guy wants to get out of a bad situation or needs a scenery change or whatever, hopefully that's the driving force in a transfer and not that somebody else can pay him more. But again, I mean, you bring a good point. I don't know if I can really fully refute it. Is that the worst thing in the world if, if that's happening? I mean, it just opens yourself up, um, you know, to, to boosters being able to kind of be shady behind the scenes. And, you know, I, I think it's not where college football wants to be. I think in a year or two, it's not where they will be. I think the dust will settle some on all this, Dustin. And now serious Jim will tell you, I'm not sure I have a real problem, though, with the players doing things that are in the players' best interest. If you remember last year, we a little bit different story, but the the end result is the same. Uh, we talked about Lonnie White, who was a Penn State commit, and he ended up going in the baseball draft and I think getting a signing bonus over a million dollars. How could you blame a kid for passing up life-changing money? And if you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you're getting that much money presented to you, You owe it to yourself and your family to take advantage of that. So I'm not going to be critical of any of the players for taking the money. It's no different than if the New York Times came running to you, Dustin, offering twice the salary as Penn Live. I think you might take the job. That is it, though, for our show. I don't even give you a chance to respond to that, Dustin. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are. Start your journey today. 
Order online at ypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 